does the Star Wars Force provide us with a good picture of the Holy Spirit? Believe it or not, that's the question we're discussing today on the Hero of the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Here of the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truths of scripture. I'm Brian DeBozik, and with me is fellow Star Wars nerd, I trust, Aaron Armstrong. That's right, although I will admit um, I'm a little more of a Star Trek guy. Yeah, I think I've I think we've talked about this before. But so you're you're a fan mm-hmm. of the Star Wars. You just prefer the Star Trek. Yeah, I like both. Um, I like both. They have different they they bring different things to the table. One is uh, one is is a fantasy series set in space. The other is utopian visions of of humanity. So we we won't nerd out about this much longer. I just have to ask: as a Star Trek guy, is there a certain version of it that you prefer? Because I mean, they've they've done so many different yes. reboots, they whatever have. you want to call them. So is there they one? Have. Is so, there one that you like more? Well, so I have. I I will admit I have a soft spot for the original series. Okay. Um, Campy? I still remember. It's it's a little it's a little hokey. It's a little cheesy. But it's but fun. I still remember to this day, um, Sunday mornings on the CBC in Canada, watching Star Trek, the original series reruns um, on Sunday mornings, and so that was what I did instead of going to church. Exactly. We didn't do that. <laughs> exactly. But. Um, but you know, as I, um, you know, as I grew and matured and, you know, put away childish things, uh, <laughs> ultimately my f- most favorite of all the series was, is, was and is Deep Space Nine. So, because it was darker and a little more morally ambiguous and didn't, uh, didn't have quite the same, uh, vision of everyone is perfect all the time and doesn't fight with one another that makes for bad storytelling that was in Star Trek the Next Generation so um, so it was cool so you get to see like y- there was just good storytelling yeah. in that and it was really a precursor to modern serialized storytelling in TV now I've talked way too long about that <laughs> exactly. because you set me off I, did, I sent you on a tangent a nerd rant okay so let's bring it back to the point. Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> not Star Trek. Star Wars. And people are like, no, Brian, that's not the point. Come on, teach us doctrine. No. Um, we're no, getting I there. mean, if you want a series where the ending falls flat, I mean, oh. yeah, all the way. So I, I am a fan <laughs> of Star Wars. I enjoy it. Um, I can even mm-hmm. tolerate the prequel trilogy to the most, you know, to, to a large degree. It's still. But how do you feel about the sequel trilogy? I'm fine with them. I, I enjoyed them. You're right. The very ending, it was, you know, they they forced a nice bow on it because they were getting pushed back. Um, but no, I enjoy them. I'm, an, I'm a pretty easygoing movie customer, though, because, I mean, if I'm somewhat in, engaged, I'm okay with it. Um, it it mm-hmm. really has to say a lot if I don't like a movie or can't tolerate it. So I'm not the best judge. Uh, just okay. too easy. Um, but I, I just enjoy them. So I find myself, I'm enjoying them, you know, from you know, from that level, from a popcorn eating, just enjoying the movie without thinking deeply about it or analyzing it. But we bring Star Wars up um, just to give a chance to talk about nerdy things for a minute. But really, because uh, a lot of people, when they think of the Holy Spirit, that's what they think of. They think of the Star Wars Force. Now, if you're not a Star Wars fan, then let me just kind of really quickly explain. One of the big ideas in Star Wars is that there's this nameless force, this energy, vibe, whatever you want to call it, 
that runs through everything. And Jedi, the presumable heroes of Star Wars, they can tap into the Force and use the Force to do great things. And so you see throughout that, those movies and, and TV shows and so forth, you see uh, this, this focus on this nameless uh, Force, this entity. And a lot of people look at the Holy Spirit. We are continuing uh, a few episodes looking at some doctrines of the Holy Spirit. They, they look at the Holy Spirit through that lens. If they're a Star Wars nerd like we are, they actually might use that as, as, you know, as an illustration or an analogy. And it's terrible. It is absolutely terrible. It's, it's not. Awful. Yeah, it's not a good picture of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is a person, not a nameless person. Uh, uh, personless, you know, just thing that's floating around out there or whatever. And so that's what we're talking about today. Finally, some of you probably just fast forwarded to this point. We're finally talking about the doctrine of the personality of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is a person, not a cosmic force. So Aaron, let's put Star Wars to rest, Star Trek to rest. Let's look at the doctrine, go ahead and read it as always. And then we will do our best to stay on topic from here on out. That sounds great. Um, so when we talk about the personality of the Holy Spirit, and again, even the language of personality, that's not very common language. Um, so I appreciate the fact that you're like we're ta- that you had said we're talking about the 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 Holy Spirit as a person or the personhood of the Spirit. Uh, this is what this means. Uh, so the Bible not only affirms the full divinity of the Holy Spirit, but also His personhood. Many people have mistakenly believed that the the Spirit is a force or power and not a person. However, Scripture affirms his personhood by acknowledging that he is treated as a person, acts like a person, has the attributes of a person, and acts in personal ways. And in addition to all of that, the Bible also affirms that Christians can relate to him personally. So we front-loaded it, but just to say it again— this doctrine is about the Holy Spirit being a person just as the Father and the Son are persons. Good. All right, so let's look at some doctrine, or some uh, passages, rather, where we see this doctrine. And, and again, we're going to look at several. We're going to move through them pretty quickly, but this is another one where I think it helps to look widely and see all these different uh, passages that support this, because I don't think there's one verse, for example, that you can go to and say, it's right here. It, it says it point blank, or this is all you need. This is sufficient. I think what you have to do is look at these together and understand how they're presenting a case together. So for example, I'll, I'll do the first one. I'll let you do several after that, Aaron. The sure. first one is Acts 5.3, um, where this is the story of Ananias and Sapphira, and Peter confronts Ananias for lying about the proceeds of the, of the property they sold. And this is what we see. Ananias, Peter asked, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? So that's the key part there, to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land. Does that verse in of itself scream to us the Holy Spirit is a person? No, unless you stop and think about it. Can you lie to some an inanimate object? Can you lie to a rock? No, not really. You need to lie to somebody who thinks who can reason, right? Um, so that alone, it, it, it 
requires something to be true about the Holy Spirit. For us to be able to lie to the Holy Spirit requires the Holy Spirit to be an intelligent being, for example. And again, this is just one way that we're starting to build this case for the personhood or the, that, that the Holy Spirit is a person, not a, a thing. Again, we don't lie to things. We lie to people. So that's kind of what we have to do as we look at the rest of these verses. So Aaron, go ahead and, and take us, show us a couple more. Yeah, well, um, in a similar way to the Spirit um, being lied to, that we can lie to the Spirit, although it's really futile because the Spirit knows the truth. Um, the Spirit can, uh, um, the, the Bible also points to the fact that the Spirit can be resisted, that we do, in fact, resist the Spirit. Um, this is especially true um, before we are Christians. Um, and so this is this is what is said there. So you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are always resisting the Holy Spirit's Holy Spirit as your ancestors do. You do also. And so that is um, that's really important because I mean, this is from Stephen's sermon, and before they are about to stone him to death, and this is one of the things that sets them off. Uh, in killing him, actually, uh, they uh, so so. Just so, as a side note, if you're gonna end a sermon with something, um, I mean, if if you want people to potentially throw rocks at you, this is a good verse to end <laughs> on. But um, but maybe not. Uh, so this whole but the whole point is is that um, in our sin, in our stubbornness, in our rebellion against God, we do resist what the Spirit is doing, and resist seeing what He is, what He has been doing from the beginning. Um, and so that was true of the Israelites. That's true of all of humanity to some extent as well. So that's one. Um, on a positive side, though, so not not just the negative ways that we try to interact with the Spirit. But positively, here are a couple of things that the Spirit does for and in and to us. Uh, so one of those, uh, so two of those are that the Spirit teaches and reminds us. And so we see that in John 14:26. Uh, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, said Jesus, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. So we rely on the Spirit um, to help us know what Jesus has taught and to remind us of all of that, um, especially in times um, when we are prone to forget. I mean, have you, if you've ever had the experience of um, you're in a, in, a, in a season, a situation of difficulty, um, you're tempted to sin, you, um, whatever it may be, um, and you just find yourself remembering something from scripture that really applies directly to the situation that you're in, that it, that's, that's an example of the spirit, um, prodding you and teach and reminding you of what Christ has done, um, and what Christ has taught and what you need to know and how you need to respond. Um, another one is um, John fifteen twenty six, which uh, which reminds us that uh, the Spirit testifies or witnesses to the truth. Um, so it says when the when the Counselor comes again, this is Jesus speaking. The one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, 
will testify about me. So the Holy Spirit testifies, not just in general or witnesses to in general. Uh, it's specifically testifying about the truth of who Jesus is. And so that's a good reminder for us, again, as we um, as we go and share the gospel with others and as we um, as we seek to fulfill the Great Commission, we need the Spirit, um, the Spirit's help in that because He is the one who, who takes that truth into the heart of a person. Um, another one is that the is that the Spirit leads us, and so we see that in Romans eight fourteen. Uh, for all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons, um, or sons and daughters, <laughs> um, is also an appropriate way to dis- to talk about that. Um, so those are just uh, a few. How about you take an, a, another? Couple yeah, just here? just a couple more. Um, <clears throat> one is First Corinthians two ten and eleven, where we see that the the Holy Spirit thinks that He's rational. Uh, is what we read, reread there. Now, God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit, since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except his Spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So you have that idea of the Spirit knowing the depths of God. Knowledge requires thinking, which requires rational uh, rationality, which, of course, is is a mark of personhood. Um, another couple of passages that going a little bit back toward the negative, we kind of started there, we'll end there because it's kind of our dispositions. Uh, Ephesians 4.30, <laughs> uh, the Spirit can be grieved. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, Ephesians 4.30 reads, and don't grieve God's Spirit. You were sealed by Him for the day of redemption. And likewise, Isaiah 63.10, but they rebelled and grieved His Holy Spirit. So He became their enemy and fought against them. So we see this idea that our behavior, our conduct, uh, the posture of our hearts can bring grief to the Holy Spirit. We, we can agonize him, if it were, uh, because of our sin, because of our rebellion. Even in Christ, when we continue to sin, that can grieve the Holy Spirit, uh, prompt him to come and minister to us, partly through convicting us of our sin, uh, so that we are drawn to repentance. So it's this process of of the Spirit acting like this. And again, all these together, and there are many other passages, but all these together, you you look at widely and you see, okay, the Holy Spirit cannot be just this nebulous forced kind of thing. He is a person. He is appropriate, not it. He is a person. All right, so let's lay in this plane. I think the, the last couple of things we normally talk about on, on these episodes are, are kind of straightforward. We've talked about them some already on this episode and the other episodes, but let's just kind of summarize as we wind down. Any cautions totally. with understanding this doctrine? Uh, Aaron, what, what, what words of caution should we remind our listeners of? Yeah, so um, there are at least a couple that I can think of. One is that... Um, really is just that we can easily think of the idea of person incorrectly. And so often when we think of person, we think about it from our um, our perspective as embodied human beings. And so uh, if you have a body, therefore you are a person uh, to some degree. Um, but when we think about when we think about personhood or personality um, in the context of, 
God and the Holy Spirit, we have to remember that the requirement is not a body. Mm -hmm. Only one member of the Trinity has a body, and that is the Son. The Father does not have a body, and the Spirit, likewise, does not have a body. And that body of the Son was added to him. He took that on, just to be clear. Exactly. At the incarnation. Exactly. Yes. So he was not... Perpet- he is not from eternity past been an embodied yes. human being. Yes. Scripture is very clear. He added that to himself um, in the incarnation, which, again, another mystery. We do not completely <laughs> understand that. We will never completely understand how an eternal being can take on a yeah. human form. Um, we just don't know. Um, related to this, though, um, and... There'll be one that I'm saving for for you in a second. But when we think about the relationship between the persons of the Trinity, so the Father, Son, and Spirit, we want to be careful that we don't over-analogize those. Yeah. And so thinking of them in terms of trying to relate them to the relation to human relationships. The way that the Father, Son, and Spirit work is not the same as a family unit. Um, a family unit might in some ways resemble the Trinity... But the Trinity does not resemble a family unit. And so we've got to be very, very careful there. Um, I've seen a lot of um, uh, wasted digital ink and (laughs) physical ink as well um, advocating that maybe it's okay to to, to refer to the Spirit as in feminine pronouns and and things like this. And it's like it really is not appropriate. Um, the Bible uses the language it uses for a reason. Yeah. And so, and it has nothing to do with uh, cultural contexts or anything like that. So um, that's, that's just a, something that we need to be aware of. That's a good caution. And while you bring that up, let me just piggyback real brief, briefly, because this is another opportunity for us to remember as we're thinking about this, this really challenging doctrine of the Trinity beyond this challenging doctrine of the personality of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we have, so have to remember, likewise, uh, avoid all analogies and illustrations of the Trinity. We've talked about this before. Uh, if you have not, if you're not a longer term listener, maybe first time you're hearing us say this, but all those analogies that you come across, the water one, the eggshell one, um, a, slices of a pie, uh, all those uh, clover, clovers, yeah. All, they break down and lapse into heresy, really. They, they, most often modalism is, is the error they, they drive to, and it doesn't take you long to get there. So the recommendation is just avoid it. They, they, might they be helpful to a very, very small degree? Maybe, but they could be more harmful than they could be helpful in the long run. So best not to go there. Just, just let Scripture say what it says. Give room to wrestle with and understand, Aaron, as you said, some, these are just some harder things, and we can't simplify that, which is very complex at times. So yeah. I think the final caution I would say about this one is, and we've talked about this before in other episodes, but we'll say it again here. When we talk about uh, the personality of the Holy Spirit, and we just saw several things that He does, we never can make the mistake of seeing any one person of the Trinity acting in isolation from one another. So... Everything we talk about, the Spirit here, is is done in harmony, in concert with the Father and the Son. And likewise, the Father doesn't act out of harmony with the Son and the Spirit. And likewise, the Son does not act out of harmony with the Father and the Spirit. So all three persons work together. So when you find a verse that emphasizes one, 
just understand that that is not done in isolation. Now, again, we've talked about this. They, they at times will have different roles. And so, um, you know, it may be true to say this, this act is true of the son. For example, being the sacrifice, that is true of the son. It's not true of the spirit or the father. But even that act was done in harmony with the father and the spirit. So we always have to keep that in mind to keep the three persons together and not um, accidentally or intentionally force them apart and make them start seeing as different uh, three gods instead of one God. All right. Yeah. What difference should this doctrine make, Aaron? Why does it matter that the Holy Spirit is a person? Well, I mean, there's a lot of different things that we could say, but ultimately, this is the this is the number one difference that it makes is that because the Holy Spirit is a person, we are able to truly have a personal relationship with God through Christ. So, there is no such thing as an impersonal relation or an, uh, a relationship, a personal relationship with an impersonal force. Yeah. So the you know the the force in Star Wars that's that's great. It's you know it's space magic. It's fine, <laughs> but it's not the same thing as what um, as 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 what we have with the Holy Spirit and. We need that, and and we need to not neglect that. That is something that uh, we we are so easy to forget. But think about the language that the Bible uses over and over and over again. Think about the language that we used in just two of our example verses: the Counselor, um, other places, the Helper. That's who the Spirit is. There, there's this implication of personal relationship a counselor can't counsel someone with whom they do not have a relationship yeah. so you can't help someone that you don't have a relationship with either and and that's thing god is a personal god despite being so far above and beyond us and that is good news for us today we can have a relationship with him and if we are in Christ, we have a relationship with him. So let's enjoy that and let's celebrate it together. Yeah, that is great news. And that is a good word to end on, Aaron. Let's let's call it an episode there. Um, thanks for talking about this with me, Aaron. Always enjoy uh, talking about doctrine, but also when we can talk about Star Wars or Star Trek, that, that's an extra win. So good, good time. Absolutely. I do want to thank you for listening to today's episode of this podcast. If you have enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com. <laughs>